those killer hornets finally come and sting me. Yeah. You've been trying at those for a while, haven't you? I know. I've been trying to get them for, I was like, I, I want to farm them and then like train them like homing pigeons so I can like send it out. You're like, all right, <laughs> hornet, kill him. Go get this person. Right? Go get this person. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, YouTube catching right up tonight. Look at that. We're live and we're right on time. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 237, your once weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm John. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment. Usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and take part in the awesome community that hangs out over there. <sighs> How are you, Jeff? Uh, I'm a little bummed that you're stealing my my look. I mean, oh yes, I know, right? <laughs> like what the like? Those are like almost a perfect match as far as frames go. I uh, I was basically thinking, it's like, uh, how do I get more subs? It's the glasses. It's, it's, it's got to be, be the glasses. Yeah. And so I'm just gonna like, uh, we need to grow about eight inches too. But you know, <laughs> that's all camera <laughs> angles, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> You're you're like actually Linus type. I'm, I'm actually like five nine, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a good show tonight. Uh, let's see. Broadcom announces plans to buy VMware for sixty one billion dollars, putting it at the third largest technology acquisition in history. Uh, we've got Microsoft competing with ARM. We've got mobile handhelds competing with x eighty six. Cats and dogs eating each other. Or something like that. <laughs> something like that. Amazon making an ARM chip, uh, or their, rather their third generation ARM chip. We have some details on that. And John can now officiate your wedding. All that yep. and more coming up on the show. <laughs> All you have to do is come to him. He's he's on a couple no-fly lists. So Yeah, so you, you come to me and you pay for it. <laughs> I will do it for free as long as it's an open bar. There you go. That's it. That, that, that's a steal. Boy, that's an expensive bar tab. <laughs> I hope yeah. they bought the place out. Yeah, you, you you can't deny me either. Like you can't stop servicing. Me. Right, right. Yeah. It's an open bar. I, I'll Uber home. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Chris is drinking a Breakside. Uh, what rough beast? That is a fantastic IPA. Uh, we got Patrick with a high water nitro campfire stout. That's one I have not heard of before. Mm. Ooh, Skull is drinking an all-time classic, toppling Goliath King Sue. Oh, I have a couple of those coming Good in too. Good stuff. Uh, Novella's got a treehouse brewing, a uh, little situous, situous uh, imperial milk stout, ten point eight percent. Uh. John Jay says you look like you officiate in 8-bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, is it is mine low? My low res? I don't know. You look fine to me. Uh, I look fine. Yeah, I look 
Uh, it's a little. It's a little fuzzy. Off. A little fuzzy. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Who knows? Whatever. We've streamed through worse. Yeah. Yeah. At least you got all twenty-four frames. Like, <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah. Uh, Jeremy's having guess. some Mountain Dew tonight. We got Michael with a fretboard brewing Bootsy IPA. Another one I have not heard of before. Good stuff. Did, did uh, you miss anything earlier on? I, didn't uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, most importantly, John, what are you drinking tonight? Um, you know, I, I got I got a sour and an IPA, and I'm really wanting the IPA. Yeah. So I'm going to start off with my IPA. This is uh, Parish Brewing Ghost in the Machine. Ooh. So 8.5%. Nice. Um, I've got a hazy and an IPA. Uh, and I think I'm going to start with the IPA as well. I think I'm going to put the hazy back in the fridge because that kind of deserves to be there. So momentarily. Oh, yes. Like these are two that I, I kind of want to drink cold. But I want to drink them both tonight, so one's got to go back. Uh, but, uh, John, how would you describe an American IPA? An American IPA, ooh, uh, bitter, uh, grassy notes, maybe not a little bit of citrus, and some malt. Okay, Clear, yeah. too, probably. Yes, that, that would be my assumption as well. Uh, pretty much you, you said everything that I was thinking of. Um, so I have... Uh, what the Norwegians consider to be an American <laughs> IPA. Um, from Nognae, uh, and I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, Nognae, uh, is the American IPA clocking in at 7.5% and 60 IBUs. And we will see what how this do. goes. I've had, uh, it was a Japanese American IPA, and mm -hmm. my goodness, it was horrible. Yes, <laughs> I've had one of those as well. Um, yeah, uh, didn't have a good experience with that one. Yeah. Um, but this one in the bottle at least looks crystal clear. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, I see it clearing right up at the bottom. Boy, it's almost like you poured it. Ah, it's your glassware. It's dirty it, glassware. It, it is. Actually, it is a dirty glass. I had a drink right there. <laughs> uh, and yes, thank you, Claw, for sending me uh, a nice little variety pack uh, of these. Um, well, I can tell you is right off the bat is it smells like an IPA. Well, at least that's good. This smells like orange pineapple juice. Ooh. It's wonderful smell. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna have to let that one die down just a little bit. I don't feel like drinking quite that much foam tonight. But let's go ahead and get into the news. Uh, starting with the big story that dropped last Thursday, and that is Broadcom has announced plans to acquire VMware in a 61 billion with a B dollar deal. 
Uh, this would be the third largest technology acquisition in history, second only to Dell buying EMC for $63 billion and Microsoft's current uh, plans to buy Blizzard Activision for $69 billion. Uh, so this is a, a pretty big deal in that kind of a world. Um, not a lot has been announced of the merger, but I can already tell you a lot of enterprises are not that happy. Um, Broadcom is known for a couple of different things, putting drivers behind paywalls. Uh, I mean, Broadcom makes ARM processors. They also make a lot of integrated peripherals. They own LSI, the, the RAID and HBA company that most people end up using in a lot of systems. Uh, they're already not the most fun company to deal with. Uh, from having had some minor dealings with them before and uh, just things in general. Uh, however, they also are the men or the makers of the CPUs that go into the Raspberry Pi. Uh, yeah. I mean, that those use Broadcom ARM V11 processors. So they're not a bad company, but they're a very large company that gives zero Fs about what you think about their money-making strategies, I will say. Uh, you know, kind of like all big companies, but, uh, a lot of people are pretty worried about this acquisition because they rely on VMware for infrastructure, data center management, uh, virtualization management of hyper and exascale level data centers. And as far as options in that space, there's not a lot. Uh, we all like to think of XCPNG and Proxmox and KVM and, and they are fairly competent hypervisors. There's not really exascale support for anything outside of VMware. VMware is kind of the industry standard. You don't get fired for buying VMware. You don't get fired for buying Cisco. Those, yeah, those if you've never of the... heard of VMware, you're like, okay, you're probably at least, you should have heard of it. It should have been at least in uh, your, you know, vocabulary. Right. Yeah, big or small, you've, you're you probably aware of who VMware is. Um, but there's a lot of people that are worried. And probably with some good reason. Because... Uh, yesterday, Broadcom announced that they are going to plan a quote-unquote rapid transition to a subscription revenue service for VMware, uh, <laughs> eliminating the traditional perpetual licensing. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, Who saw that one coming? Well, I know. What? What? Subscription I mean, on Enterprise. What? Yeah. Subscription uh, for anything these days. Yeah. <laughs> Soon they're going to have their own streaming channel. Yeah. <laughs> and game. Like, oh, let's build our own game infrastructure, too. You know, I'm kind of <laughs> waiting for just Subway to come out with a subscription service. So you can go in. You can have as many sandwiches as you want. Uh, and it's like 40 bucks a month. Like. Hang on. Like, it's a good idea, right? That's actually not a bad idea. Right. <laughs> I mean, that is not a bad idea. Right. But like, that's the next step that they've subscribed. They've brought subscription services to like everything else. True. There's nothing left that I don't subscribe True. for. 
I mean, I guess this would be interesting because, I mean, I'm pretty sure they already have, like, you know, if I remember correctly, there's already, like, yeah, you get the first 30 days for free, you know, like every normal base. What are they, I guess, what are they trying to do with the subscription base other than just, you know, cash in more money and rip more people off? Is it, are they going to lower the price to kind of appeal to lower end consumers who want a virtual machine or, you know, or VMware software? I guess I just don't quite know what they're going to be doing with this. Well, it's a new way of doing business and it's a new way that started. It's hard to put a number or a, a, a date or a year when this started, but Netflix. Well, Netflix kind of with the subscription service for, you know, DVD? watch as many movies as you want. You know, yeah, you can we'll have two DVDs, DVDs at a time. And, yeah. um, so that was kind of a thing. There's a couple of other subscription services that kind of took off around that same time. Um, but as far as services that were traditionally perpetual or per instance, uh, and typically when you buy software, you bought a perpetual instance of that software. Um, as far as the software side of things goes, I could probably point to like Adobe going to the creative suite. That's a good one. As really when the the pendulum swung the other way and people saw, why are we selling perpetual licenses, which we make X money at the time of sale and then have to support for years down the road and the only reason we get more money is if we give them a compelling, a compelling reason to upgrade and then buy that software suite again. Uh, versus if we make one version of our product and slowly incrementally update it and improve it every year, uh, but we charge users $15 a month to use it, they can use it as much as they want, as often as they want, or they can choose to stop using it. But if they choose to stop paying us, they choose to stop using it. Yeah. Um, and they were kind of the the first big one to really start going that way. And I think that was around 2014, 2015, uh, during the transition from the numbered versions of Photoshop, like Photoshop 7, Photoshop CS. Uh, it was that CS, CS2, CS3 somewhere in that range that they started making that that transition. Um, and now, gosh, what can't you get on subscription? I know. I, I, I get... 2011. Okay. Further, further that, away than I thought, but... Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I, I have subscriptions for cat pads for our, our litter box from Amazon. Oh, yeah. Uh, automatic delivery automatic yeah. delivery like i don't even think about it they just oh new cat pads are here awesome we have a subscription for my son's formula it just shows up <laughs> like but that's this started with netflix uh adobe and a couple other products have done this as well but if you look at where a lot of other services are going. And I'm trying to, I had a couple ones in mind, 
But think of Subway. Think of like Subway offering like, <clears throat> you know, as many sandwiches yeah. as you want in a month for, you know, $25. Well, yeah. or, Even like going to oil can hangers, get free oil changes, give us a hundred bucks a month or something like that. Right. Um, but there are actually a number of companies that are starting to design their purchasing method around that because there's nothing investors like more than recurring and steady revenue sources. Yeah. They don't want to wait three years until your next software release. They they want money this month, next month, every month. And, and they want to be able to project based on how many subscribers you have and the growth of your subscribers, what they should expect their returns to be. So... Yeah, and a lot of times too, <clears throat> with subscription-based models like this, and especially for enterprise-based, you know, the, the price point will probably be a little bit smaller, uh, so it might appeal to them. But then subscription stuff just somehow gets buried in paperwork in accounting, and it gets forgotten about, and it might not get used. A lot of times, if you sit there like we were talking about the Netflix or now all the streaming services or gaming streaming a lot of people were subscribed to these things and be like, oh, it's only three, four bucks a month. Ah, I don't even use it anymore. When it's enterprise, if you switch IT guys or something and, and your system switches, you could forget about it or you could just stop utilizing all of it. I wonder if they're thinking something around that type of model too, or if it'll be a smaller end for smaller users, yep. they'll only use it a little bit, but then they're going to be getting this constant revenue now for all these other people. Maybe not even the enterprise. Maybe it's just the, the lower end users that, yeah, we'll sell it to you for that, you know, five bucks a month, even though you only need it a couple times a year or use it a couple times a year for your hobbies, but you're getting hit five times a month and you'll probably forget about it after two years because you're like, eh, I dropped out of whatever life got busy and you're no longer into as much tech as you might be. Right. But still, it's still being charged out of your bank account and they got you on hook for, you know, the next five years. And you're like, I didn't even know that was coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of software has gone that way. Uh, someone pointed out in the in the chat, uh, Autodesk also went that way, um, and and they followed exactly in Adobe's footsteps. Is they used to sell, you know, multi thousand dollar licenses for AutoCAD, uh, SolidWorks, etc. And now it's like, oh, you need this application? Yeah, that's fifteen bucks a month. If if you want, you know, and. They get a charge per user per account. They also get analytics based on who's using it, what they're using it. And that's another good point. Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, it's just the way it is. Um, but I can imagine a, a paradigm shift in the way you've previously done licensing with a company a la VMware, you've purchased perpetual licenses for your server and they live for the life of the server. Um, you're not going to be thrilled about pulling the trigger once those perpetual licenses go away. Yep. Uh, and people are less and less thrilled about pulling the trigger on licensed software upgrades if you have aging hardware. Now, the biggest of the bigs, uh, I'm talking the Amazons, Microsofts, etc. of the world who run, you know, multi-continent data centers. Um, they're pretty much all 100% proprietary in-house built systems. Uh, they may run a combination of open source and closed source uh, software, but they're not necessarily using VMware for all of their stacks. However, if you move out to just the next tier down, 
uh, of data centers. Um, a lot of them are using VMware. Uh, and it's, it's just what people use anymore. And like I said, there's not really a lot of competition in that space. Uh, and at that, at that scale, I'm sorry, but as much as I love Proxmox, as, I, as much as I love XCPNG, they're not, at, at least at this point in time, valid competitors for exascale compute. Um, they don't have the feature set. They don't have the the proprietary drivers. They don't have all of the things that have been built up over the years for VMware. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what exactly happens. Uh, oh, AJ says uh, even 1Password is now a subscription. Yeah, 1Password, LastPass, yeah. NordPass, uh, they've all gone subscription service. Uh uh, so yeah, services that were any in any way, shape, or form hosted are now subscription service. Um, well, that's how they get you too. Is they'll like most of the time they'll do like oh it's one time or free for a year, and then you love it and your life is based around it. And then they're like, well, it's we're gonna be doing a subscription service three bucks a month. And you're like, okay, all right, I'm already using it. It's convenient for my life. Three bucks. Here, here's and a great example. Um, how did you used to buy music? I'm sorry, you never bought music. Uh, how did most Jeff, people um... used to buy music? <laughs> how did most people used to buy music? They would get onto iTunes, they'd spend a dollar a song or $10 an album, right? Yep. Um, guess what Apple has? Apple Music. Guess what Spotify has now? They have Spotify subscriptions. What is, go down the list of those types of services where you used to buy a perpetual license for a song, a movie, a game, uh, Xbox Game Pass. You're no longer buying games from the Xbox store. You're just subscribing for $15 a month to Xbox Game Pass and playing whatever games they happen to have on it. And you get enough new releases that you don't necessarily need to go buy the new releases anymore. Yeah, no, it's true. And it, But yeah, it just comes back down to like they're slowly just sucking your money away and you got all of these coming out. It comes back to the whole cable TV. Look, you know what we should do with all these subscription? Put them all together in, in some form of bundle and we could kind of twist it all in, in some form of wire uh, fastening system and we can plug it into a single device. Yeah. And we'll just flip through these boxes maybe a different channel or space or room yeah but you know what id numbers you know what if i were a consumer i would want more of like a a a i get to pick and choose what what no, thing, what no, channels i want that out. um and uh and so you know i i would probably search out the companies that are offering those single channels and and you know i could sacrifice the others if i save 80 percent of my bill you know i don't need to pay 150 dollars for this magic device that comes into my house if i can pay 25 dollars and get most of the way there uh so what does the corporation do well they decide that well we're going to start up our own streaming service uh, no blackjack, no hookers. Those are all additional charges. Uh, and and now you're going to have to pay us $15 directly. Look, we're so much cheaper than cable uh, ever was. But okay, well now I've got Disney and ESPN Plus and Hulu and Netflix and... Well, yeah. Well, well, Ooh, but that oddly enough, I'm back to like $120 a month for all of my TV. Exactly. Now, if only... 
there was a company that could make a contract that could license all of these subscriptions and bundle it together uh. for a low cost of say 30 or 40 percent cheaper but you had to sit through some say commercials for that convenience and it would just directly go to your TV. No, the new way of doing things is if, if I'm paying for it, I don't want to see ads. <laughs> well, uh, now the new subscription base is now subscription models. There's tiered systems. Yeah. It's going to be that way. I think uh, Netflix is going that way is what I heard. Yep. So. Yay. <laughs> yay. Well, yeah, Hulu's already that way. Yep. So yeah, subscriptions for everyone. You you get a subscription and you get a subscription. <laughs> oh wait, sorry, you have to pay for a subscription. That's what it is, that's what it is. Yes, so subscriptions for all. Actually though, uh, someone did state that VMware was already in the process of converting over to a subscription-based model back in February. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, but, but I mean, they were probably already looking by that time to be like, look, we need to buy a buyer or, you know, find a seller or buyer. I mean, the, yeah. the fact that the ink wasn't even dry on the tweet and Broadcom is already going, yeah, we're going to expedite that plan. We're going to get directly to subscription modeling. Like, like by the end of the year, we're going to be, that has some people a little worried. Yeah. Especially if they, I don't know, take away uh, service subscriptions or, or support plans for existing perpetual licensing and say you can only have support if you buy a, a subscription license. Yeah, where have we heard that one before? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Although... <sighs> Lost my train. At least there's still beer. At least there's still beer. How was yours, by the way? Very delicious. Now, there's a subscription-based model. Mm. (laughs) All the beer I could drink for 20 bucks a month. You know what? I'm for it. Except I'd I'd need like the $80 subscription. I know. That would need, I'd be like the $100. That's still, that's still probably. What do I get for platinum membership? (laughs) Yeah. Need the. I need the black diamond visa card version. <laughs> I need the brewers just to live at my house and just constantly brew, but all small batch because it's like, I just want new stuff. I don't want to drink that stuff over and over again. Yeah. Oh yeah. How is your Northwest Norwegian IPA? Yeah. So my no- Norwegian American IPA. American. There it is. Um, it's very pleasant. Very, very yeah. pleasant. Um, it is not the same notes that I would get from your your standard IPA here. So if you think your your Stone, your Ninkasi, your Sierra Nevada, you know your your standard off the shelf IPA, mm-hmm. um, this isn't the same beer, but it's in the same family. Like it's definitely in the same family. Um, it's not really citrusy up front. It's a richer smoother juice flavor than that. Uh wonder if that's just the yeast strain they might have used or it, the grain bill. Right, and it totally could be. But it's it's a smoother, slightly thicker, but not not like the not like a dank IPA or or like a heavy northwest IPA where it's that clingy oily. Uh it's just very smooth, very 
just very an pleasant. IPA. Right. Um, I guess that is an American IPA, right? American IPA. <laughs> um, yeah, it's smooth. It's a little bit sweet. There's a, a and again, it's it's this real rich malt flavor in the middle of it that is familiar yet also foreign. Um, it, it's it's just different. <laughs> I really like it. Um, but then on the back end, it it definitely lets you know it's an IPA. It all of a sudden dries out very quickly, uh, where it it starts like I said, very, very wet and juicy and ends very, very dry. Uh, and and gives you just a little bit of that that clinginess and that bitterness left over. Uh, not really a grassiness on the back end, mm. but... Do they say what hops were used? Just curious. I don't think they do. Um, Actually, you know what it could be? is Because they're from Nora, I wonder how fresh those hops are. Right. That's actually probably what it is. Could be. Yeah, if they shipped in some Simcoe or yeah, you know something just, like that. Maybe just took too long, or or you know sat around too long. I, I will say, peak. it's not at all unpleasant. Like it's it's a very good IPA. Seven and a half percent. Oh, there you go. Definitely solid. It's legal uh, there? How can they sell it? I think you have to go to a bottle shop to get it, actually. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Very good. Fairly clear. There was a little bit of... Uh, uh, it looks fine. It looks... Yeah. Uh, I, I did just top it off, so... Uh, with what was whatever was left in the bottle. But, yeah. Good stuff. Oh, apparently it's Cascade Hops. Oh, okay. I was just <laughs> about to look it up, so... Yeah. Like I said, it's familiar, but also not. It, it's it's interesting. And I I like it. Rich, multi, very bitter ale, cascade hops for a long pretty spice finish. Yeah. yeah. You know what else I like a lot? Today's video sponsor, Linode. I like them too. If you've ever thought about hosting your own servers, whether it be for home or business use, but don't have the resources to invest into hardware, time, power, cooling, or even space, why not let Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software for most of the tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS server, VPN gateway, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode also recently announced they are the first alternative cloud provider to have NVMe block storage available to all customers. In September, they began rolling out NVMe drives to all 11 of their global data centers. Best of all, storage rates will remain at the same low price they always have been. Visit linode.com slash craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing. And again, a huge thanks to Linode for continuing to sponsor this episode. So we got a uh, super chat in, pretty decent size one, too, from Tech Geek. So, said he uh, missed a couple weeks, and I'm late to the party tonight, but didn't forget about you guys. Evening, gents. 
<laughs> drinking a Mountain Dew as per usual, $50. Cheers to you, Tech Geek. Geek. Thank you very much. Mm. Just as good as a Mountain Dew. Well, he's got to try uh, the uh, Bud Light Seltzer Mountain Dew. Ew. Ugh. Uh, you know what was actually really good was Dewshine when they reintroduced their classic Mountain Dew recipe. Oh, yeah, yeah, recipe. the original yeah. Mountain Dew recipe. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a little bit sweeter, a little less carbonation, but it was meant as a shine mixer. And so it mixed quite well with vodkas and whiskeys and things like that. I thought it was delicious. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do we have today? We got Microsoft. Yes. Uh, the rest of the show is going to be a little topsy-turvy. Uh, no one is doing what they normally do. In fact, they're like playing in someone else's backyard. So it's going to get a little weird. Uh, Microsoft is diving a little further into the ARM-based compute model uh, and will be attempting to take on the M1 Mac Mini with what they're calling Project Volterra. Uh, and if the casing looks familiar, it probably should. It's pretty much an identical form factor, but with a uh, Windows logo on top instead of an Apple logo. Uh, this will be powered by a Qualcomm Snapdragon processor of unknown variant uh, and hopefully run Windows. Yeah they, <laughs> yeah, they didn't say too much about it in this. And their video was just a big hype video of yeah. snappy angles and look, you can stack them. Yeah, and you can run Visual <laughs> Studios. And that right. was it. I mean, the screenshots look like there's in a window, Windows 11 at the bottom. Yep. Um, don't know if it's a proprietary, you know, or the Windows uh, NV or whatever it was of 11. Mm -hmm. uh, you know it's Windows I don't, Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Basically, this is just going to be a powerful Microsoft Surface. But, well, not even a powerful one, because those run on Intel's, don't they? Those are on Intel, right. Yeah. Um, this is going to be an ARM-based PC, yeah. for mm. better or for worse. Um, so, we all know that Apple has had very good success in essentially translating at the native level x86 and 64 instructions over to ARM-based instructions. Uh, getting near native or sometimes even better than native speeds over on the ARM CPU. Uh, Snapdragon has had, shall we say, less success uh, as far as they have a method to do it, but it is entirely software based. Um, and so can I call it an emulator? Are you all going to get pissed off if I just call it emulation? Like, can we agree that translation layers are emulation? You ever piss off a community so much they changed the Wikipedia article after you posted a video? Because I have. Because <laughs> compatibility layer used to say a form of emulation, and now it does not. <laughs> like built for Windows developers. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, built for people who know what TF they're doing and, yeah. uh, and aren't going to crap about it when, uh, when it doesn't work properly. Yeah, or does, you know, only does 
85 percent of what you actually meant for the adventurous yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean i will hold my reserves there's no price point on this there's nothing about this really other than it's just a we're gonna compete with apple yeah so buy windows i love that it's still very much an a microsoft product because there's cables hanging out the sides i don't know that kind of turned me out about it <laughs> I was like, yeah, they got cable, they got ports. It's cool. Yep. Got two USB Cs, three USB 3.0s, uh, Ethernet, uh, power, which should actually just have been USB 3, but whatever. Uh, and I think that's, is that firewall? Or no, that's that, that's probably mini display. Firewire, what? Firewire. No, I was gonna <laughs> say that's probably mini display. Uh, let's see. We've got two USB Cs. That's a mini display port. Yeah. Yeah. No full-size HDMI. What the crap? What the crap, Microsoft? That is an interesting one, yeah. But it looks like they put a restart button. So you got a power and a restart. Yeah. Typical PC. Yeah, well, you have to have the restart button. Yeah. You know, for when it locks up. Yeah. <laughs> you don't shut it down. You just restart. You don't turn it off. You have to just restart it. I wanna look up something real quick. So yeah, uh, ARM coming in a fairly big way to Windows. Something, maybe. Well, we did talk about this though with uh, Windows 11 being supposedly ARM compatible. Yeah. Um, this could be their first big push, <laughs> obviously, to that. Um, their first actual device that's that like that. Because uh, we talked about it being on, uh, you know, Linux devices and Raspberry Pis, because that was a thing. So, because it was... Um, actually, no, I didn't even know what process... Cause it, I didn't say what... ARM-based... I don't know. This is just going to be... Because this is all pure speculation, this is just a hype piece. Yeah. That's all this is. So just look at this. Um, I don't know. Again, so far, even the Windows ARM stuff that has come out, like you said, it's like 80% or, you know, it's it's kind of there. It's for the adventures. You have to know what you're doing. You're setting it up. And it still is kind of uh, emulator. Right. It's it's over, you know, a Linux-based kernel, basically. Yeah. Like here's Windows with the Linux kernel in the background. <laughs> yeah. And we'll just translate everything over it. Yep, 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 yep. So, should be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm curious to see if if Qualcomm Snapdragon in, integrates the same or similar style of x86 instruction translation emulation <laughs> that, uh, that Apple has done with the ARM uh, in their M1 and M1 max and ultras and whatever could you just put numbers on them like yeah gosh or at least like sub letters like m1c like m1xyz i don't care just no more m1 max in my m1 apple mac like god it drives me nuts moving on uh, from 
desktops that run ARM to traditional ARM products that run x86. Uh, Ioneo is announcing a new Windows-based handheld and an unreleased AMD mobile processor chipset uh, at a price point that we really have not seen before. $289 for an AMD RDNA 2 powered six inch handheld uh, from the uh, up and coming company. Um, yeah. And obviously, I've reviewed the Ioneo next, but Ioneo has only been around since 2020. But man, are they getting really innovative really quick. Um, now, obviously, this chipset was likely designed for low end laptops. Uh, taking the place of Athlon or even Semperon in AMD's lineup. But you get enough power in a 720p screen, you can do some pretty cool things, especially if it's running SteamOS. Well, and at that price point, I mean, that is the low end of mm -hmm. a gaming, a portable gaming device. I mean, that is a used Switch price right there. Right. Or a brand new Switch Lite, which... I mean, this even looks like that. Quality doesn't look the greatest, but again, that's just a picture. It, it's certainly so. not going to be up to the same quality of their, you know, $1,300 Ioneo Next or even their $800 Ioneo. Um, but neither is the Steam Deck. Uh, yeah. Like, the Steam Deck's a great product, don't get me wrong. Uh, but it doesn't have all of the bells and whistles. And... And it is just plastic, and it's a little bit lighter than you might expect. Now, it's certainly still a solid piece of kit, but it's not the same robustness that the Ioneo Next is. Uh, and the fact that we're going to start looking at some nice, affordable, low-end gaming PCs that everyone likes to call, you know, the GPD Win 3 the switch killer or the Ioneo yeah. next, or even, even, you know, the, uh, the, the steam deck, will this kill the switch? No, because well-equipped, it still costs more than twice as much before you've even bought software. So no, like you want a 500 gig, uh, you know, steam deck. Number one, it's a much larger form factor. Number two, you're talking about a device that is literally double the cost of a switch OLED. Um, yeah, you know, three fifty versus six seventy nine. Like it's it's right in that conversation of double the price um, versus something like this at two hundred eighty nine dollars at a six inch uh, form factor and a fairly sleek body. You could make the argument. You could. This is, yeah, is going to kill some switches. This might. I think this is going to. I don't know. I kind of think these because there was the. Ion Neo that you reviewed, and then the Neo 2 that we talked about, mm -hmm. that lo thing looks amazing. Yep. Now, the price point on that is the higher end, but my gosh, it looks amazing. The Steam Deck is, like you were saying, a little higher. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if these are going to start killing gaming laptops mm. uh, more than the portable gaming device like the Switch. Yeah. I think this is going to kill, because if these start becoming affordable uh, and dockable, uh, maybe if they even come with their own dock system or you can, you know, you can probably find easily a third party dock system to where you could just hook up a mouse and a keyboard 
and just play, you know, and a monitor and still play and, and then just take it off and keep going. <laughs> I would be more interested in something like that. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then something that I can also just browse the internet. I could do a live stream, a quick podcast or, yeah. or something, you know, I would be more interested in paying the seven, $800 or something like that. And no, it does dual functions, um, but I'll still have my switch. Right. I will say um, the handhelds in that range have never really competed with laptops because while you can dock them, they're not really usable as it's the same argument between the iPad and Chromebooks where yeah. iPads are creation devices. You can create things directly from an iPad. You can you can edit photos, you can, you know, type entire, like, you can do more on an iPad than you can on a Chromebook. And I say that as a fan of both devices equally. Uh, the interface on the iPad lends itself to being more of a creation device than a consumption device. A Chromebook is a consumption device with some creation aspects to it. Um, I also say this as someone who purchased quite literally thousands of devices for education clients over the years. Uh, there are different use cases for both devices and both of them are perfectly legitimate. But what we found was that unless you're just writing a paper, a Chromebook was a consumption device, whereas an iPad was more of a creative device. You could create things. You could actually do things on an iPad. Um, so take that with all the salt that you want. Uh, yeah. but the same can be applied here to six and seven inch handheld gaming machines with joysticks and ABXY buttons and no keyboard and no mouse and limited video output options and, and whatnot to seven, eight, nine, a thousand dollar laptops. Uh, because you're not going to be writing a paper on an Ion Neo light. Meanwhile, you're also not going to be gaming on a $700 laptop, at least very easily. Um, I can certainly see someone who may be interested in a gaming laptop at $1,000 or $1,300 instead going, you know what, I could probably buy a Chromebook and one of these, and now I've got everything. I've got gaming in a Switch form factor, yeah, and I've got productivity in a laptop. With yeah, money maybe. left over. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Because when uh, the Switch first came out, what was that, 2018, something like that? Seven, 17? 16. Oh, my gosh, that thing's old. Yeah. Uh, why did the? Why don't we have a, a new one of that yet? But even that, I was very weary of the March 3rd, 17. Able... Yeah. Yep. Uh, of it being, you know, no one's going to want to do this. Isn't that good of a device you know it's not going to be that powerful it's not going to be able to do the things it does it's proven me wrong and i've gotten used to that form fact of pop it in i grab a controller i sit over here i don't think it would take too long to pop it in your computer is now your tv and you grab your mouse and keyboard right and you walk away and then you take it up and then while well, you're just taking it off the game um i guess you could theoretically use the touchpad but yeah then that aspect could leave, but I was thinking more of a. If you if you have a three hundred under three hundred dollar device that is meant for gaming, but you could with a twenty five dollar dock, 
go and then use it and put word or something on there to write your paper to browse the internet mm -hmm. um or it, it might be worth it because it's you're gonna be able to do that and you wouldn't be able to do it with a 300 laptop right. you're gonna have to spend that 700 so this might be better for that kid who need who wants a laptop and a gaming device and he's like i can't afford either right i i, I gotta i gotta pick one or the other i mean this i just hope it comes with that option it doesn't have to be the doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to be the best at it. I would just like to have that option to test that theory out, I guess. Yeah. No, and I, I think that's completely valid. Uh, Mo Zamboni sends over $12. Thank you very much. Uh, I must say, thanks to your unique approach to YouTube videos, very inspiring. I'm starting my own channel on YouTube called The Dapper Dork. It's an amalgamation of humor, fashion, and tech. Love you guys. Well, thank you. And good luck with that. It's, uh, yes. it's an adventure. It's a lot of fun. Very much appreciated. Yes. I, I'm already taking a look right now. So, uh, What else do we got? Well, you know, speaking of Nintendo Switches, and uh, how come we didn't get a new one? <laughs> the, uh, oh God, what is the company's name again? Because my gosh, Ein. Is it Ein? Ein. Yeah. Or okay. Because from the last one, it, it, I thought this might have been a typo, and it's the same company. They just forgot to. Well, there were know. two stories about Ein Neo, and there's one about Ein. Uh, the other story was that Ein Neo is also introducing the Air, uh, in kind of the same form form factor that the Ein Neo Next is in, with dual USB Cs uh, on it. So we've got one on top, one on bottom, a little bit grippier body. Um, missing some of the higher end features like the Hall Effect joysticks and so on and so forth. Uh, but it does include a micro SD slot where the iNeo Next did not. Uh, but this is going to be a $549 handheld and it will include an OLED display. So, yeah, so it's... So it's uh... About the same price as the Switch OLED. Right. Uh, this one will be running a 1080p, <laughs> uh, which uh, may be a bit ambitious for the yeah. graphical horsepower that's inside of there. Uh, we'll still have uh, Radeon Vega-based graphics, so probably the similar 5800 or 5825U that we saw in the iNeo Next. Um, possibly even a 4000 series uh, APU. But, uh, oh, 5560, okay. So yeah, 5560, uh, Vega 7, toss a coin, it, you know, between the 7 and the 8, there's not a lot of difference there. Um, but yeah, 1080p display. Yeah, so. up to two terabytes of storage if need be. Yep. Um, yeah, it, and this is, uh, there's multiple models of it, but you know what I do like, is like you were saying, they, they are coming out with, they're just going for it, and they're, here's all these different models. We are yeah. going to be a leading competitor in the handheld device, uh, compute computer device. Right. Uh, I like it because you now have your price point options and right. just like gaming laptops, pre-built gaming com systems, they're trying to be an all-stop, you know, one-stop shopping location. Yep. Um, I like and I will say everyone wins at this because 
in competition, everyone wins. Or when there's competition in business, the consumer is who wins uh, yeah. because it drives up innovation and it drives down prices so businesses can compete for your business. Uh, and where GPD, which you can kind of say is the original x86 handheld gaming platform, they pioneered a couple of things. Um, they also got a number of things wrong uh, with clamshell designs and, and ergonomics and things like that. But they proved that there could be a market for that. Uh, I wouldn't say that the GPD win line of handhelds, the one or the two, were, you know, blockbuster successes, but it proved that there was enough of a market for them to exist. Uh, the Steam Deck kind of took that and, or I guess, I guess IMEO more appropriately in 2020 said, you know what, we kind of see what they're putting down. Let's see if we can you know, enter that market, maybe with AMD and some Vega-based graphics, and we'll see what, what happens. You know, give it a little bit of a bump instead of just using Intel integrated. Um, and that worked out well for Neo. And they got a couple of things wrong, although a lot they got a lot of things right too. The Steam Deck, when that was announced, at the price point that it was, at, what is it, 400, $399 uh, for the entry-level model. Uh, $399. Uh, it proved that the market existed. They just hadn't hit, hit the right price point yet. There's always been the enthusiast market, but now there's a low-end market. And there's also now everything in between. Uh, so with Steam Deck, bringing that barrier of entry all the way down to $400 and forcing companies to get a little bit creative and a little bit competitive on the features that they're putting in their handhelds and and the price points that they're selling them at. All of a sudden we have announced two x86 handhelds, one for 289, one for 299. Uh, yep. We've got mid-range handhelds announced in the $550 range, which we've never really seen before. The Steam Deck proved that this market does exist and there are already companies there ready to take advantage of those, those form factors uh, with a pretty good track record of putting together some quality hardware. So yeah, definitely some exciting times. Speaking of uh, <clears throat> other companies, we have uh, Ein. Yes, is diving right into with everyone else, just like you said. Yep, uh, they're going for it. They're oh, my mouse just died. Yeah, Ein is a is a company that really uh, is a brand new company. Uh, they teased on social media for almost gosh probably about nine months that they had a 199 dollars handheld coming to market um that would blow people's minds uh that ended up being the ein odin line of handhelds and they actually ended up selling it for 179 uh now i will say i finally got my indiegogo contribution from from ein uh i I got both an Ein Odin Pro and an Ein Odin Lite. Uh, the Lite was 179. I think the Pro ran me about 250. Uh, so far, thoroughly impressed with that handheld. Now that's an ARM-based handheld. It can run Windows. It cannot run SteamOS. Uh, but they definitely have their hardware together, their ergonomics together. Like they're already ready to hit the ground running. And Ein recently announced that 
at $299, they will be entering the low-end handheld market for Windows and or SteamOS. Uh, starting at $299, they're going to offer some Alder Lake U CPU options uh, with Intel XE graphics. And then starting at $499, they will have some options with Ryzen 5 6600U yep. and RDNA 2. Again, competition Let's breeds innovation, yep. and in the end, the consumer wins. No, it, yeah, the Ryzen 7, I mean, that's great. Eight cores, 16 threads, 4.75 boost if need be. Right. Uh, you, you know, you're talking that's your higher end one, but still, mm -hmm. you're still under $800. Right. Uh, again, this this goes back to, I think if you were to buy a gaming PC or, or like you were saying, you know, do you spend the $1,200 on a gaming PC? $700 on this and a $300, $100 Windows, you know, a tablet of some kind. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think these devices are definitely proving to have a market. Like you said, the SteamOS is going to bring it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think after the price point and hardware adjustment, I think it's going to be compatibility of what else can you do with it? How can we be have that niche that other thing that makes it you need this device more than all of the other ones. Um, and I think, <clears throat> honestly, well, it goes back to the Windows device. If it is ARM-based, that the uh, their, the M1 killer, um, the Volterra, yeah. if that proves something, maybe the next set of uh, portable devices that might go with ARM might be able to do a Windows device. I totally. Like like I said, we've seen the amount of performance that Apple is cramming into the M1 at 35 watts. What if you had a 20-watt package that had similar uh, compatibility and specs um, and maybe you slant it more towards graphical horsepower? Yeah. And Snapdragon's got some good GPUs in them. They've got some pretty decent hardware. Uh, the iNode Pro is using a Snapdragon 845, a, a three-year-old uh, mobile phone flagship CPU. And you know what? It freaking rocks. It plays GameCube games at 720p like butter. Like, like oh, it's yeah. amazing. I mean, yeah. How, how many of those Snapdragons do <clears throat> people convert into emulators now? I'm just like, this is my new... Oh, totally. instead, of buying, instead of buying a Pi, they're like, eh. I'll just keep my old phone and this is, I'm going to turn this into my emulating device system because it has a lot of power. Right. You know? Um, so yeah, they're, they're decent. You see the Snapdragon CPUs are good CPUs. There are some bad, there were some bad ones. Well, of course. Um, but... but that's always, yeah. So how was uh, your IPA? You finished it? Uh, just about done. I'm right about where you're at with it. I just finished mine. Right at the nine o'clock mark. Too. Perfect. Look at us. Like we're on schedule or something. Uh, weird. Yeah, so you want to go or you want me to go? Uh, go ahead and go. All right. Uh, my second one will be a sour artisanal ale Warheads Extreme Sour Orange Pineapple Ale. Oh, look, I can even just read the back. It's got a double-sided label. So uh, these are a themed with combination with warhead candy so i do love a good sour i think this is going to be a kettle sour but, oh it's that's yeah, kind of pinkish hue oh wow that's a look it's a look definitely looks like candy so. 
taste that. It oh, looks like a watermelon Jolly Rancher. It does, but it's supposed to be orange pineapple. Yeah. No. I don't like, trust it. <laughs> it smells like soapy candy. <laughs> I don't trust that smell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of disappointing. Oh, well. On, on, if this was ice cold and it was like a hundred degrees, sure, that's fine. <laughs> it, it's lacking in flavor. It's not very. It, it tastes. Like, you know those cheap sour candies you get. That's the off brand of a, a good sour candy. It's like it's yeah. sour, and then you eat it. It's like it's mostly sugar. Yeah, that, that's kind of what this tastes like. Yeah, it's the Walmart brand Sour Patch Kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, ugh. I mean, it looks pretty. That I'll, I'll give it that. High marks for color and, mm. and look. As you and, know, that's everything in a beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I could, I guess you could say your expectations maybe are a little hazy. <laughs> uh, for Matchless Brewing, I have the Hazy Expectations Hazy IPA. This one is clocking in at 6.7. And I looked it up beforehand, gets a 3.89 on untapped. And I'm going to commit a sin and just use the same glass. That's what I did, too, because I was like, ah, I'm not going to get up. It's an IPA. It's another IPA. Well, I went from IPA to sour. So yeah. that That's an even worse sin. At least I'm in the same family. Right. Like, for the show, if I'm in the same family, I'm not going to wash the glass. It's fine. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Uh, speaking of ARM processors going where they don't belong, Amazon has been doing this for a couple of years now. Uh, Amazon recently announced they are now producing the Graviton 3 CPU, which is their proprietary make-it-for-themselves-for-themselves-to-use-only uh, CPU solution based on ARM. Uh, it has a very interesting design. It is using seven chiplets, has 64 Jeez. cores, and triple socket motherboards. Uh, so in theory, you could put, what is that, 172? No, 192. 192 yeah. cores uh, onto a single motherboard. Uh, the really crazy thing, though, is when you dive down into the layout of this, you will notice that each of these uh, chiplets on the side is actually... DDR5 memory controllers, and then the two on the bottom are the PCI Express bus. Um, so each of these has eight channels of DDR5 memory support. And I think it was... I think it was 128 PCI Express 4 lanes. Uh, trying to remember where I saw that at. And this is ARM-based? <laughs> this is all ARM-based, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So these are a 25% uplift on their Graviton 2 CPUs, which they debuted back in 2020. Uh, and so far, customers have been really liking them in AWS instances. You can actually spin up a Graviton instance right now in AWS if you want to. Uh, so go get yourself some ARM on the data center. 
or rent some arm from the data center. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've done some AWS stuff too. That could break. So, not I. Yeah, I don't like it, but yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I gotta use Amazon, I guess. So. Yep. We all have to venture into the dark side every once in a while. Yeah, I know. So whatever. I don't do it for my own personal needs. It's more of a work thing. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, I will say, though, even the design, I kind of left the design because the design even, I actually thought it looked like a cubed version of an Android bot. <laughs> right. Uh, it looks like know. a little person. Yeah, it looks like a little person, like a little <laughs> robot. I was like, that's an interesting design. Was that on purpose? Well, what's going on here? And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I was like, you usually I just, don't see that in a lot of processors. So I don't know. That was my first take off. It was like, oh, are they doing something cheeky with it? Are they like being playful with it? Are they going to call it like the robot? What are they doing here? Nope. It's just the way they did it. <clears throat> What's anyone saying in the chat? Uh, talking about vGPU solutions. Yeah. I've kind of ignored the chat for a bit. So. <coughs> uh, let's see. Last story for the night. And then yeah. it's going to be a free for all. Yeah. Uh, dearly beloved. <laughs> There you go. That's a good we are one. Gathered, we are gathered here today in the eyes of... Uh, I got nothing. In, in, the, oh, name no. of, in the name of the, the yeast, the malt, and the holy water. I was going to say, who's... Yeah, where, where's... <laughs> um, Revs. Oh, was it Funk? Uh, it was Skull. It was Revs. Skull. Skull. That did that one, yeah. Oh, uh, gosh, that, was, that had me going. Yeah. Gosh. L let me get it right. Hold on. Let me, let me scroll up. Uh, in the name of the grain, the hop, and the holy yeast. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was great. Uh, that's, uh, that's my kind of trinity right there. Uh, yep. Apparently, Miller High Life is helping people become licensed officiants for weddings. John, can you fill us in? Yes. Uh, Miller High what Life the hell? is... <laughs> Miller High Life is wanting to uh, help you with your marriage uh, by... Letting you become uh, a wedding aficionator. Uh, uh, and they will help you by going to their website and they will take the cost uh, of becoming a minister just by going to their website. And I know this because I, myself, am now an ordained Miller Lite aficionate. The Church of Miller Lights. Yes. Hops and brews. <laughs> I was actually did do this. So it's not just the Hobson Bride. I had to do it my actual name. I will put it next to my Lord Titleship. Oh, I will now be henceforth be called on the chat Lord Minister Hobson Bruce. Anything else is blasphemy. And I will. I will. What can I say other than it's good to be the king? <laughs> so, but if you are wanting your wedding to be done by Hobson Bruce, you can uh, come to Oregon and I am licensed to officiate your wedding. Mm -hmm. So uh, I will do it again for free. 
uh, as long as it's an open bar. But yes, you can go to uh, Miller High Life. Uh, Do you get an entourage I, when you're the, the minister? Uh, you just get a free 12 pack. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can not go the high to... life I was looking for. <laughs> uh, if you go to their website, uh, you can go hitchedbyhighlife.com. Um, enter, you must be 21 and over. Uh, and it is going till June, uh, I think it was like the 16th or 18th. Uh, now they are only doing a limited amount of licenses per day. So if you do not get it in, uh, try the next day. Uh, and then they, you can also get a uh, go for a gift wedding basket. They are also giving you um, scripts that are beer themed too. If you need a script to go for the uh, wedding ceremony. So check awesome. that out. I, is, I can only it, imagine how good that is. It is a good laugh anyways. <laughs> because you want to live that high life and your vows will be nothing but bubbly love. Mm-hmm. It is the champagne of beers, by the way. So, so who needs champagne? It's cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Hang on. Wedding gifts for couples. Where's it? it was? Let's see. Oh, they even have gifts. You can buy couples of so Miller Lite koozies, Miller Lite champagne. Uh, you can buy Miller High Life string cans to put on the back of the car. Oh gosh. It's great. It's it's I like this. Shop for your wedding day look. You can have a Miller High Life tuxedo and ties. This is this is good. Only stuff. if it comes with a top hat. <laughs> it had better come with a top hat. Oh uh, no. Yeah, Lord Minister whole... John can walk down the aisle in nothing less. <laughs> I need a cane, a top. I hope it comes with like a beer cart too that I can drive up in. Oh, I hope so. Like the Pope of Beers. <laughs> Just sit there and wave. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. Oh, what is it? I went to I went to a barbecue this past weekend. Uh, it was um, my niece's uh, graduation. From high school, uh-huh. and and my sister-in-law's mom, she had a beer, and uh, she they she had a Coors Light, okay, <laughs> um, but she doesn't drink beer or at least much, um, but she they didn't have a bottle opener. My brother didn't have a bottle opener, and she walked up to me and said, "Well, here, John, I know you probably have a bottle opener." And I just looked at it. I was like, "It's it's it's Coors Light." There you go. It's a twist off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's that cheap. It's fun. It was one of those. It's just humorous to be in it. But yeah, so that is the news of the day. So if there's something we missed, something you want to talk about, uh, let us know in the chat below. Um, again, if you want to be married by me, remarry to. I'll do those too. If you want to renew your vows. Come to Oregon, buy me a couple drinks, and get that happen. Or, you know what? I'll tell you what. Tell you what. Fly me out. Pay for the ticket. That's all I ask. And, and, and stay. That's all I ask. Um, that's it. Very simple. But uh, let us know in the chat below. Otherwise, you're probably going to hear us rant and rave about something Star Trek. I'm, I'm working on getting myself banned from chat. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mods, go ahead and just start like kicking just, those out. Yeah. Hide this user from channel. 
Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a Chip and Dale situation going on. Uh, who am I in that situation? I feel like I'd be Swayze. <laughs> you, you'd be Farley. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Ah, oh, that was fun. All right. Um, I will admit I have only seen the first episode of uh, Strange New Worlds. Okay. Well, you're well. The last one wasn't wasn't the greatest. It wasn't horrible, but it was. I mean, nothing bad. Uh, actually, uh, you can't. It, there is the Gorn appear, but they don't appear. But there is some interesting aspects mm-hmm. of space battle, which I, I really liked. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to give them any spoilers away, but I really liked, they, they are definitely doing something in this series that is different than all the other series. The closest would be DS nine with the defiant because the defiant was a much more maneuverable thing, mm-hmm. but the, essentially they're taking the enterprise, they can up and sideways and then, yeah. And they're they're doing some maneuvers with this thing, and they're even going ninety degrees. They're not just vertically. listening lazily to the left. No, yeah, yeah. The, the maneuver is not. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so so that idea is kind of fun. I mean, it doesn't really make sense for a ship that large, but it's still fun. No. Um, they don't really explain how gravity and things don't just fall over. Okay. especially when they're like bring the ship to 90 degrees okay, we're, we're getting a number like, of people saying they don't want any spoilers for star trek um, okay can we talk about the first episode because that that's as we, far as i wanted to go okay we could t- i like the first episode that that's been almost four weeks now like like episode yeah. episode four comes out tomorrow um so i feel like episode one is fair game um and again that's as far as i'm at so uh, Tech Geek sends over five bucks. I'm far from Oregon, but also an ordained minister. Cheers to Jeff and Lord Minister Hobson Brews. Thank you, sir. And Thank also you with the- you. <laughs> uh, Harley but says $10 Miller- <laughs> open bar, but only Miller products. I mean, it's still got alcohol, so I'll be fine. Just going to be a lot. Just a, it's a slower pace. It's like cruising down, you know, uh, highway 99 you just you just, you take it at a slower pace yeah cru- you're still gonna get there cruising down the 101 uh, yeah, as californians just, would say or what yeah oregon <laughs> well in oregon it's i5 it's not Ooh. the five it's i5 it's not well, the said, 405 it's 405 oh um, well, no i said i said 99 right in california uh their equivalent would would well we we still have highway 101 which yeah. we call highway 101 um in california it's the 101 uh which is the coast highway and then the ni- yeah. and then 99 is the inland highway so 99. yeah <laughs> whatever yeah no no the before it morons <laughs> like filberts and and hazelnuts they're they're filberts they're filberts yeah Marion berries. Yeah. <laughs> Blackberries, whatever. Marion berries. 
uh, but yeah, no. So episode one, we could talk a little bit. We could talk episode one because um, it takes place essentially a few months after Discovery season two. Yeah. Um, uh, Which I've never a, seen and I didn't need to see. Yeah, that was a. Uh, there's like there was only like two good episodes and they made it episodic. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's why it was good. Um, I will say this is not a spoiler, but I do super enjoy the episodic aspect of this show. So if that kind of annoyed you about Picard or Discovery, this goes back to that uh, storytelling. So I do right. like that. Right. Um, this one, I still really like. I don't have to think as hard. There's that. Well, <laughs> also, it's every episode gets to kind of redeem itself. It's like, I didn't like that aspect about that character. Ah, the next one, they'll change it. Yeah. Okay. That's, well, that works. Okay. Yeah. You know. You know, he acted dumb in this episode. Well, that story doesn't continue on. You know, and yeah, at but the end canonically, of he's now dumb. Yeah, but he has now a chance to redeem himself in a totally new way. Yeah. It's it's not they're not like now five minutes later. Now it's a week later. You know, yeah. a, a month later. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but enough, yeah, enough so, time has passed for them to grieve and then get over it. Let's say two months. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they just saw their best friend die and got shot in front of them. Two months right. later, they're fine. Right. <laughs> they're fighting the Dominion and going back and forth from blowing people up and hundreds of thousands of people dying. And then the next one, there's a holodeck malfunctions and they're playing baseball. Yep. You know, it's totally fine. It's fine. <laughs> I forget what that's even from. The Some amount of time has passed. Not enough where they've forgotten and completely gotten over the grieving process, but enough that they're laughing again. Let's say two months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, no. So uh, I think, it, like you know, it starts off and <clears throat> it goes into the whole <clears throat> character of the the three major characters we saw in Discovery, which is Captain Pike, uh, Spock, and their number two. I forget what the female uh, number two is, the first officer. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so. It goes into the whole idea of they the Starfleet goes to Captain Pike's ranch and he is recovering. Um, I like that whole scene actually. He is he's grown a beard out, so it shows that time has passed. He looks really rugged. He's kind of got the whole um, Captain Kirk horseback ranch style well, lifestyle that you, we saw. You know what building that was, right? Wasn't that in the Nexus? Yeah, that was Kirk's homestead from the Nexus. <laughs> yes, that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I like, but I like that. I like that they're still paying attention in that, that homage. Way. Yeah, an homage. Uh, he did the whole horseback thing mm -hmm. that is in there. Um, and where do Starfleet uh, captains retire? Apparently, somewhere in Montana. Yeah, right in the snow. It's like no technology, nothing except yep. to make breakfast. Uh, um, but yeah, he goes horseback running in the snow, and uh, we see this shuttle, the shuttle ship, you know, fly down and meet him. And what I really liked is the attention to detail in how they made the old style shuttle crafts boxy, uh -huh. but still like look, oh, it fits in a, a futuristic timeline. It's fresh. It it doesn't look like 1960s. Yeah. Uh, it it doesn't look three generations newer than anything we had on TNG. You can see some iterative designs, and I I love that type of design work. That's that's one of the main reasons that 
I'm not one who gets turned off like immediately, like, oh, they just ruined everything about this thing that I arbitrarily love. But one of the things I hated about Discovery was everything about it seems like it's newer than Next Generation DS9 Voyager. The technology that they talk about, the the abilities that supposedly they have, like, oh yeah, we'll just go through time all willy-nilly. And yeah. and we didn't have any of that. And and our no, yeah. our spaceships certainly didn't like spin around and do all these weird things. Uh nor do I see how you would have gotten to there and then like gone backwards in design and gotten the Enterprise D. Yet supposedly it took place 80 years before. So it's hard to get past that that wall of uh yeah. your own fourth wall <laughs> yeah no, yeah yeah i know that's just yeah. that's well that was some of the the horrible there was some bad decision making in, in discovery uh yeah <clears throat> what what i do yeah I, again i think discovery takes like 15 years prior to i think it takes place like 25 years before kirk yeah but the uh pike uh, like when the enterprise first got commissioned it's supposed to be like 10 years before enterprise enterprise a you know mm -hmm. whatever not before a before a yeah. no bloody a no bloody b just <laughs> the enterprise um so and it was supposed to be the most advanced ship in the fleet the newest one and it still has this giant dish yeah. you know reflectors dish and where Discovery, it's a laser, you know, very similar to yeah. um, Next Gen. Yeah. So it's just like, ah, the, yeah, I agree. It's it's too much, and they have they have holograms popping everywhere and 3D design. It's like it, it touchscreen interface. Took, it took from the 29th century for us to get a mobile emitter for the Doctor, like like that was yeah. tech that didn't exist on Voyager until they decided the Doctor needed a better character. So let's give him a mobile emitter. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it. I didn't like that aspect. What I do like is if you're paying attention in uh, episode, you know, in Strange New World, you'll see the dashboards and everything have the buttons, the manuals, on off, switch, you know, analog switches. Mm -hmm. The screens uh, are the radars. It's still like old yeah. school looking radar. They kind of update the screen, but it still looks like that. The tricorder, the phasers mm -hmm. still look like the old school. Again, that slightly modern-esque, we upgraded the way it looked with better-looking material. You know, we're able to do detailed work on this now yeah. because it's shot in 4K. <laughs> so it, You don't want to see the original props in 4K. <laughs> no, exactly. But it looks, but it all looks great. I mean, yeah. I think they do. I think someone even uh, stated, I saw a screenshot of, they even got the holes on the warp nacelles the exact same number and placement as the pilot episode. Yeah. So they, they, they did pay attention. Yeah. So uh, I do like that. Um, uh, so yeah, it goes into, uh, Pike has to go and rescue his first, not the number one, his, his first officer, because she's on a mission yeah. during this time. And they don't, they lost contact with her. And cause it was a first contact mission. So he goes and grabs Spock in the middle of his, not Ponfar, but wedding ceremony. Yeah. Um, Are you naked? He, no, but he was about to be. Yeah. 
So this is this is Spock about to be married, or yeah, it was his honeymoon, I guess you'd say. That was so funny. Yeah, um, yeah. That's another thing. There's there's back to like classical Trek humor of I like the chemistry of Captain Pike. Yeah, you know, and Spock. It's it kind of works. It it's the actor who plays Spock. I I don't really like look at him as Spock, as just oh it, it's a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I like. Okay, it's a Vulcan, and they're doing their best Spock impersonation, but it's still just, ah, it's a Vulcan, but it works. Yeah. It's fine with me. I, I got no problem with it. Uh, I like um, Captain Pike as a character, so. Yeah, let's let's talk about the, 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 gosh. The main story that went down. So just real quick, like 30 second version. Uh, Pike is sent to investigate the disappearance of his first officer because she was on a first contact mission for a society that had discovered warp technology. Starfleet detected a warp signature around the planet. They decided to make first contact because that's the, uh, what do they call it in that one? General Order One. Yeah. Uh, General Order One, you cannot uh, interfere with a society before they achieve warp. Um, so they detected a warp signature and they were captured. Uh, the reason they got the warp signature was Discovery was gallivanting around in past, past, future, present, whatever. Uh, and apparently they were in full view of the planets and the telescopes that, that were in that region. And they divulged enough technology to start developing warp, but turn it into a weapon instead of a vehicle of travel. Because they are not that dissimilar from 20th century Earth where we want to kill each other. Uh, so Pike goes down to explain this, explains Earth's history and says, you have two choices. You can kill each other. And from the look of it, if we turn around, you're going to. Or you can join our Federation and explore the universe. And that's kind of the proposition he gives them. And, and as we fade to black, it shows their people reading about the Enterprise and and doing warp research and things like that. Uh, so unifying the planet the way that the United Federation of Planets is supposed to do. Uh, very cool stuff. Uh, I can't believe they made Star Trek political. It's always been political. If if you didn't think it was political, you weren't paying attention at the time. <laughs> it aired right after the nightly news. My entire childhood. <laughs> and, <laughs> and let me tell you, there were some poignant moments between Tom Brokaw and, uh, and Picard and, and Cisco. So, uh, yeah, it deals with some issues of the day. It deals with us being at each other's throats. It deals with political discourse and dissonance and, uh, you know, violent insurrections and, and everything else. Uh, incidentally enough, there's now file footage of said violent insurrection. They didn't mention a time, but it's canon. <laughs> it happened here. <laughs> it happened in their universe too. Uh, but I liked the overall theme and I like the way they, they went about it. I, I thought it was a great overall story. Uh, it introduced the characters that were already kind of introduced in Discovery very, very well. We knew, yeah. we knew Pike already from Discovery. We knew Spock and we knew the first officer. I'm drawing a blank on her name. I apologize. Um, but we knew those people. They introduced some new characters who I thought were brilliant in, in some very short performances as well. 
Um, we get introduced to Uhura too for the first time. Yeah, we see Cadet Uhura. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome. And uh, at the very end, uh, someone asks Pike, so what do we do now? We explore. Strange new world. Seek out new civilizations. And Uhura from the side panel goes, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I also really like about this one too? Uh, I like the, the theme song. I really, I, I enjoyed it. It kind of went back to more of the adventurous style theme song. Um, and the interesting thing was the graphics and everything kind of reminded me. I think they overdid it on the graphics because it kind of came off very cartoony. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of the scenes seem to almost mimic uh, Voyager, DS9, yeah. and and TNG of mm-hmm. like there's they go through some or they fly over through some rings and and some ice caps of yeah. a meteor it's, and warp away. Star Trek has almost always been about discovery. And people who say that, well, how can you discover things if you're on a space station? Didn't watch DS9 because they traveled more distance than any other. <laughs> well, I mean, they they, they warped or they, they teleported distance. <laughs> they were still exploring. They were yeah, st- no, their they primary ex- they, job was to maintain peace on Bajor, but they went through the wormhole quite regularly and were not yes. on their own terms. And oh, like, yeah. no, I mean, as far as that, that was, it was great. It was right. a, it was a great way to like they don't have to travel far to be far away. Correct. Um, but there was with discovery. And, and you could even throw up a card into this mix. Um, there was that lack of true exploration. Yep. We're only going places that we already know or that we've already seen before. And we're dealing with internal strife rather than something new. And the new is what's interesting. And I think episode one knocked it out of the park going, you know what? We're gonna find a species that we haven't introduced before. They're in the Federation of Planets. You may might not have heard of them, and it really doesn't matter if you have or not. But here is their history, and it mirrors ours quite a bit. Uh, and this is why we have the Prime Directive and why we have the founding principles of the Federation that we do. It did a lot for explaining why Star Trek canon is the way it is and, and the history that they've kind of inherently been telling for, you know, 60 years now uh, in a very palatable bite-sized chunk. I thought it was great. I liked it. Anyway, we can talk about Star Trek until we're blue in the face and we probably will unless one of us derails it and I'm going to derail it. Um, Let's open it up to Q&A. There's been a lot of chatter about VGPU. There's been uh, some other other chat going going on obviously there's some star trek chat going on if you have questions on opinions on star trek i'm not going to stop you uh and also also if there is a conversation you do want to enjoy or keep continuing you know you can always join the discord and there is a super secret after show after this that we get to talk about all the stuff that might have been in chat you might have wanted to talk about maybe you just have some personal issue that we can work out with computers or tech uh, with everyone else and it really it's one of the best communities you could do and it's only a minimum of a dollar a month and it's right after talking heads uh and it goes on for about another two hours sometimes even yep. longer yep uh, but you got to be a member of the Discord on my to mood. do that yeah <laughs> so uh usually some of the other just people on discord will go on after both of us leave 
Yep. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but we're on there all week long. Like, you want to chat with us? At us. We're in there. Uh, but yeah, we do get on video chat uh, every single Wednesday night after the show. Uh, there's usually at least one of us there, if not all of us there. Uh, you want to ask us a question face to face? That's the place to do it. You want to yep. ping me a personal question? Join the Discord at Craft Computing. I'll answer. It's a good time. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Q&A. The show is, belongs to you at this point. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about? First up, uh, James Mendel. Uh, question. If you had like 10 Dell R710s, what would you do with them? Um, it depends on what I wanted to learn from them. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, misconstruing in the community what does a home lab mean uh i view running your own servers and services to better your own personal life different from home lab which is this exists purely for me to tinker and educate myself with um i have done home labs and i have done personal servers uh, and there's a lot of overlap in that because not everyone can afford multiple servers or multiple environments. Uh, but if I had a bunch of seven R, of, of R710s, so these are uh, X58 based uh, servers. They're 1U, I believe the 710s are 1U. R710, let me refresh my own memory here. Oh, no, they're, they're the two units. That's right. Um, so, yeah, you can put up to a an uh, X5690. You can get six cores, 12 threads at 3.43 gigahertz. Now, they're going to scream like a banshee because they're not exactly the most efficient CPUs on the planet anymore. and and how should I run a server and what environment should I use? Uh, R710s are a great thing to tinker with because there's not a lot that you can do to break them and you can run just about anything you want on them. Uh, if it were me and I was looking at getting a job or expanding on the job that I have maybe to potentially get a promotion or whatever else... I would seriously consider installing whatever OS my uh, my employer used, whether it's VMware or Proxmox or XCPNG or Hyper-V or whatever else, and start tinkering with that and learn their virtualization system. Install yourself an Active Directory server and learn Active Directory. Break things and then fix things. Um, because that's what a home lab is for. Um... Would I run an R710 as a personal server today? No, I would sell them to the highest bidder uh, at like 80 bucks a pop, and I would buy myself one or two much more efficient servers uh, because, good God, those things are gonna drive 180 watts at idle. Like, they are not... They're, they're not friendly. They're to your saying power bill. you're cutting out. Am I uh, cutting out? Pop, they're saying you're popping quite a bit. Popping. Hmm. 
So I had I had Rev. Uh, and Better now. Requiem. Interesting. They said, yeah. So I my audio says I'm right where I should be. I'm peaking at about negative four dB, and I'm averaging right between negative ten, negative eight. You said I, I didn't hear anything on my side, but I was just yeah. I got three or four comments, and you were talking. So it's like, uh, yeah. you're gonna make a point. I want everyone to hear it. So yeah. Yeah, how much beer can, a, can an R710 hold? Uh, well, considering it's a 2U, they're only about as thick as a can. Uh, you can fit as many cans as the server is deep. So you get more bang for your buck if they're pints. There you go. Because there's less space between the cans. <laughs> that's science. <laughs> well, that's something that you could use with 10, test out with 10 Dells. Uh, yeah. R710. Yeah. Uh, who is it? Uh, John Jay did ask, what is going to be your next big project? Next big project. I've got a couple coming up. Um, I just bought uh, the newest Xeon that I've ever purchased, 384 gigs of RAM, and a pair of Optane persistent memory DIMMs uh, to install into my uh, Craftinator. <laughs> Uh, my storynator. Uh, so I will be doing some experimentation with Optane DIMMs versus NVMe storage versus should you buy like a uh, uh, an IO drive or something like that and working on some more caching because nothing drives me more nuts than knowing that the drives that I record my, my cinema footage onto uh, can easily be read at 550 megabytes per second if it's SATA or on the couple of NVMe drives that I have or PCI Express drives that I have, uh, well beyond that. Like, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to write data to my server at 500 plus megabytes per second. However, it seems to top out at like 235. Um, man, if I could set up some NVMe cache as a write, uh, as a write caching drive where I could just dump the footage there and then it would permanently mount it somewhere else, uh, when it had enough room, that'd be really cool. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm going to be working on. Uh, I've also got right behind me, that new guy, uh, new to me. Uh, that is a, uh, HP Z440. Uh, so I'm up to my old tricks again with using some old Xeons in ways they were never intended for workstations and, uh, potentially some, some gaming fun stuff. A lot of people didn't like the video that I just did on the gaming build, even though I said, thanks, I hate it. And the title was, I hate this. And people went, wow, I bet he like had everything Whoa. that he really needed to put together a solid gaming PC, uh, for $900. And no, I was pretty honest about that from the start. In fact, the first words in that video were some compromises were still made. Like before the, before everything, that's what I said. Didn't you even say that uh, like for like two, $300 more, it would be like a lot better well, or something along that line. You're like, you could make for about a couple hundred dollars more, you could like right. actually make this a bit better. Right. At 1100, you could make this thing amazing. And yeah. people were going, well, why did you, why did you spend 120 on a power supply? Have you priced power supplies? Occasionally, I'll see one under $100. But I don't think the $15 ad to go from a 600 non-modular to a 650 full modular was really that much of a 
of a deal breaker, especially considering the next year graphics card was $150 away. Like it, it wasn't like it was that close. Um, why'd you go with the 5600X instead of the 5600? It has the same performance and it's, 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 $50 less. Actually, it was $15 less. The 5600X was only $199. Why'd you go with an A520 instead of B550? Longer sending footage to YouTube. I wonder if that's... There we go. I'm We're back up. Audio. We're back up. Okay. Okay. That was a weird drop. Um, Yeah, all of a sudden OBS disconnected and then reconnected. Well, maybe it was the... Maybe that'll fix the sound issue. Who knows? Who knows? But we're back up. Um... Uh, John Jay says the audio is fine now. Okay. Uh, there's a difference between knowing and knowing. Right? Every review for the RX 6500 XT said it was a crap graphics card and you should stay away from it at all costs. At the same time, it's a graphics card for 199 bucks. It's in stock everywhere. You know what? I've always tested things a little bit differently than everyone else. I test things at the level that I expect them to perform. I don't test them at, you know, I'm not going to game at 1080p ultra settings and expect 144 hertz out of a $200 graphics card. That's not what I expect. But I do expect to be able to play games at 60 FPS at some reasonable settings. And that $200 graphics card didn't live up. I don't know that until I test it, which is why I bought it and tested it and showed you all. And... Yeah, there were a bunch of people who were really pissed off about that build who, like, they must have just gone 6500 XT and a 5600X. Like, you're an idiot. It's like, it's not that different from a lot of builds that I've done in the past. It's just the market sucks right now. And I apologize. Bought my RX 570 for $99 three years ago. And you know what? You can pay $99 and get that same RX 570 today, and it's still a better value than the 199 5600 or yeah, 6500 XT. Yeah. But you bought a RX 570 three years ago for 100 bucks, Jeff. Right. Jeez, come on. Right. <laughs> three years ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's got see. John Jay wants to know if you're still loving your vintage yes. gaming rig. Yes. Love my vintage gaming rig. In fact, I've got it. One or two more videos coming out on my vintage gaming rig. Uh, so the vintage gaming rig that you all saw is not the final product. Um, I ended up with... Uh, <coughs> I was trying to keep it as authentic as possible, uh, as late 90s as possible, by limiting myself to Windows Millennium or Windows 98 and trying to play games only within that generation. Uh, what I found was driver support, reliability, compatibility, etc. Even as good as I got on that system, it still left me wanting a couple of things. Um, and so what I ended up doing was I ended up buying an ITX motherboard with a B61, Q61 chipset, Intel 61 series chipset of some kind. It was an Asus board. Um, but it's Sandy Bridge. So I put an i7-2600 into it. Four cores, eight threads. Installed Windows XP. Uh, I've still got the one terabyte SATA SSD installed into it. Uh, the graphics card, I decided to abandon... All hope who enter here. No. Uh, decided to abandon 
trying to stick with a PCI graphics card and trying to be period correct and just went, what's the best low power graphics card that was available for Windows XP? Well, as it turns out, it's the NVIDIA GT740 has Windows XP drivers. And holy crap, is it freaking fast. And not only is it freaking fast, uh, I got the most bizarre version of the GT740 that really shouldn't exist. And that's an EVGA for the win card. It's an EVGA GT740 FTW. <laughs> and it's freaking amazing and I love it because anything that I want to play at any resolution from any time period prior to 2008, it plays it. And because it's Windows XP and it's still 32-bit and it's still got two gigs of RAM, it doesn't freak out about a lot of the Windows 98 compatibility issues like I thought it might. Um, so almost everything that should have been gameable from Windows 95, Windows 98, Windows Millennium was still gameable on Windows XP. But now all of a sudden I've got when, you know, 1995 through 2008 of playability instead of 2001 of playability. And a much more modern system, much more modern components, and I'm better off for it. So Guzman had a budget question uh, yeah. for home network. Uh, he asked 2.5G or 10G for home network? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, 2.5G is coming way down in price. Now, when I say way down in price, I mean it's no longer the same price as 10G. Uh, <laughs> um, 2.5G is kind of this weird standard that has really had a hard time dropping in price because it hasn't seen a lot of adoption, but it's not going to get cheaper until there's a lot of adoption. Um, Gigabit's been the standard, and to for all intents and purposes, Gigabit has been fine for many, many years. Um, I mean, I started feeling pinched over five years ago on local network traffic at one gigabit, uh, deploying installations to thousands of client PCs across a network, or even just transferring files over my own LAN because all of a sudden I'm dealing with you know, 80, 90, 100 gigabyte file transfers. And it's like, I don't want to wait 20 minutes. Uh, like I got, I got stuff to do. Um, 2.5 gig is definitely welcome. Uh, I'm still waiting for 2.5 gig to become ubiquitous as far as pricing goes compared to gigabit. Um, at the moment, if you're talking about home lab, 10 gig is actually still more affordable than 2.5. The reason I say that is you can get used 10 gig gear, uh, PCI Express cards and uh, direct attached copper, uh, DAC cables uh, for pennies compared to, or not pennies, but like 30% the cost of 2.5 gig cards because 2.5 gig is a fairly modern standard and is RJ45 compliant instead of being... GBIC and uh, 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 SFP, SFP Plus compliant. Um, SFP Plus has been around a lot longer, which means there's a lot of gear that's going out of style. Uh, so if you have a home lab of servers, like I have a rack of servers, I run a 10 gig switch out there. And the reason I do that is because it was freaking cheap. It was $345 for the switch. It's a 24 port switch, handles 10 gig at line rate for layer two traffic. Uh, and the cards for the computers are 30 bucks a piece, or they come included on the server motherboards. Um, 
You can also convert that over to fiber, run it around your house. Length is not a problem for 15 bucks per end on fiber modules for LC, multi-mode or single mode fiber. Uh, desktop cards are 30 to $100 a piece, depending on what you want to spend. Uh, local, there's the, uh, gosh, what was that? The Mikrotik 305 or the, the little five port Mikrotik switch that does desktop traffic for a hundred bucks. Like a hundred bucks is what a 2.5 gig switch will cost you. So 2.5 is, is still working on getting cheaper. It's coming, it's happening. Uh, but uh, 10 gig is still great. And, and honestly, if you have just a little bit more you want to put just a little bit more time and effort into it. 10 gig is probably worth it still today over 2.5. So there was one I missed. Uh, it was <clears throat> a question. Uh, have you done any videos on PXE boot servers? Pixie boot servers. I did do an entire tutorial on windows deployment services. Uh, that video since windows 11 came out is kind of out of date, but Microsoft still hasn't updated their documentation for how they expect you to deploy windows boxes in windows 11 environments. Um, my tutorials still apply for windows 11. However, you will have to, uh, do your pixie boot off of a windows 10 boot.wim file instead of a windows 11 boot.wim because it says, sorry, this isn't supported anymore. If you use the windows 11 boot.wim. Um, but yes, I've done uh, videos on Pixie servers, on uh, customizing client images, on image capturing, image deployment, all kinds of stuff. So yes, it's there. It's actually the longest non-Talking Heads video on my channel. It's like 47 minutes or something like that. So buckle up. Uh, there was another quick one. We've talked about this before. Uh, we, uh, I just did a quick uh, answer, and I think you could probably do another one too. Uh, approaches, uh, how to approach interviews and salary. Ooh, uh, be completely honest and be willing to have some, for lack of better terms, balls. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't be offended by that. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a turn of phrase. But um, I just said, know what you're worth. Know your for. worth. I, I preach that all the time. Know your worth. Know the worth of those around you too. Um, no, I mean, going into a job interview and knowing what the expected pay for that position is, is more power than you can imagine. Um, I will say, uh, I worked for my previous employer for a number of years and was given the director position or was offered the director position, uh, probably seven, six, seven years into my tenure. Uh, the first job offer that I received, I passed back across the table and said, no, I will go somewhere else because we're too far apart. Uh, so basically I was a, a network administrator, um, tier three, tier three help desk, uh, department lead giving, getting the oh. director position. Um, more beer. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. And I was making X amount of money, plus I was making 20% extra in overtime. The salary that they gave me was like 22% above my base pay. So it was like, yeah, it's a significant bump. 
if I wasn't already working 60 hours a week. Uh, I'm literally going to be making less with more responsibilities if I take this job. So no. And and they said, well, if you don't accept the job, your your current position is going to be dissolved. And I said, I'll go somewhere else then. I'm not accepting that offer. They came back with a much more palatable offer. Um, so be willing to say, no, I won't work for that. Uh, Glassdoor for salary info. That's a great place to start. Um, and salary is very regional because there's different costs of living wherever you live. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. When we bought our house here, uh, we were looking literally anywhere for a house. Like I had, I got on Zillow and I drew the map around the U S and I said, sort from low, uh, because, I was looking at eventually going full-time with craft computing and I went, if we can get a house for literally the equity that we have in our current house and walk into their debt-free, I can get a job for six months and then I can just go full-time on craft computing and I'll be good to go. Um, but that's because Tennessee has a much lower cost of, of living than Oregon does. You know, so does Kansas. So does like, like Nevada. Like we looked so many different places for houses. I, I I viewed so many different properties online and talked to my real estate agent about so many different things. Um, we finally settled on a house that was fairly local, still you know forty minutes from where I lived before, um, but in the same state. But yeah, check on Glassdoor. Look at what those in the same position and experience level in the area around you are making because that's what you should be making and don't be afraid to ask for it uh if you don't ask you don't get yep you can i mean worst case scenario they say no and then you can always go back down when you walk into an interview you owe them nothing yep you owe them nothing you you don't have to be a good little grunt and and accept whatever their pay is you can say you know for an entry-level position yeah, sure, they probably own you. But if you have any skill, any skill, and they're hiring for that skill, you can say, well, my skill costs this much. The difference Pay is it or don't. Someone, you know, the, the other issue, too, is like, say, for my job, because <clears throat> I, I came into a situ similar situation, was <clears throat> I was contracted out there, but I was contracted for multiple years, and I already knew the culture of that company. And that weighed a lot. Yeah. Uh, if you are within the company and been working, you already understand the culture and you can, I personally think that's value in itself. You know how things work. You know how to work around the people that are around you. If they go and ask for like, well, someone else, we'll just hire someone new. It's gonna take them probably a year plus to be like, how is this system set up? Who is this? Who's in charge here? What's going on? How is this working? Access uh, 95. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what I had to deal with. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so that's that's a premium quality. That's that's experience. That's part of the job, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's always that too. Uh, there was another one. I, I think I'm trying to understand this question because it's been split up. But anyways, I have uh, uh, Dustin was asking about a Linux-based image deployment. Ah, I have not dove into that mainly because I never really got into that. Um. It's something I will probably look at, uh, probably within the next year, but I can't make any promises like, oh yeah, that's on my list in the next two months. Uh, Linux image deployment has been on my my 
cliff notes of craft computing, my ideas list for a year or two. Um, but it's not really called for ever. <laughs> and so even when doing servers, we would always just deploy the server for ISO because even if you have a hundred servers, you're deploying them one per month. And it really doesn't make sense to create an entire image and roll up all of your updates just so you can do an apt-get update and apt-get upgrade after you reboot the server for the first time anyway. Like, you're going to get the same result. Um, as far as client desktops go, yeah, there's a little bit more to it than that. There's some customizations that you can make. Um, there's app roll-up packages that you can include. But there's so much less of a demand for that versus a full customized Windows layout. Um, that it's just something that's never, I won't say it's never interested me, but it's never actually even been a need. Like ever. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think that's, that's pretty much it. What I'm seeing here for uh, questions. Yeah, what else we got? We yeah. we got probably five ten minutes left. We got five ten more minutes. So if yeah. anyone's got any one or two more questions, we can easily take them. And uh, again, too, if for some reason you accidentally miss, make sure to join the Discord. Again, it's not even the super secret after show party. This type of this type of questions can be answered, and there's so much more information and help in the Discord. It yes. is not just a single room chat. It's a multiple layer chat expanding so many subjects, and one of them, it, multiple are, are tech. There's a, a you know trade. There's learning how to do new stuff. There's food. There's I, I was showing off my new truck in our in our car chat the other yeah. day. Like, so so uh, we have people giving tutorials even right now in the chat in the in the after shows. We got some tutorials and stuff going on. Um, it it's it's awesome. So if there are these type of questions you have. I know people are saying, oh, I got a budgeting thing. It's a dollar a month, you know, uh, minimum. Can always do more. But uh, yeah, do that. You get access to not just us, but the rest of the community. And the rest of the community are people like us and like you. We are all in this industry. We, uh, one form or another, we like tech and we like a broad uh, spectrum of other things too. And we respect all of that. And we come in, we get to talk about it all. That's it. So. What would you recommend as the best mini bar set? Ooh. Now, this is a video you've always wanted to do. It has been. It has been. Um, audio back to being flaky, which is really weird. I, I have no idea what's going on tonight because OBS is saying, like, except for the one, like, 10-second dropout, OBS is saying green across the board. I'm going to blame YouTube. And I'm at the right bitrate. So I have no idea. Um... So, uh, best entry-level mini bar set. Um, there's a number of different ways you can go with that. Uh, you can buy some pre-made bar set kits. Uh, oftentimes, I find they're not really the tools that you would want. And maybe I should update an Amazon list and, uh, and, and put that in. Because I have some 
some preferences that I have for shakers, strainers, bar spoons, etc. Um, you know, the basic tools of the trade for creating cocktails. Um, I, I definitely prefer a Boston shaker and I prefer a full metal tin versus a, a Boston shaker and a glass or, or a Collins shaker. Um, a Collins shaker is the one that you usually see, which is the three-piece unit with the, the cylinder on the bottom, and then it's got the cap with the strainer built in and then the little cap on top of that. That's a Collins uh, shaker. I, I like a Boston shaker. It's the two-piece one that the bartender slaps together and then shakes and then cracks with his hand again. It's a more stable strainer and it's much more versatile and it's super easy to get apart and it's super easy to get together. Getting say, a, yeah, it's easier to part. Yeah. Getting apart, you might not think about it all that much, but a Collins uh, uh, shaker, as, right. as metal gets cold, what happens? It shrinks. As you yeah. shake up liquid, guess what happens? It, it uh, uh, aerosolizes and so it actually builds pressure. And so you have two things working against you. You have the metal shrinking and holding that cap even tighter. And then you have pressure building within it, which also holds it tighter. Um, so I much prefer a, a two-piece shaker and then an independent strainer. Um, and I prefer two metal tins versus a, a metal and a glass. You can usually shake with like a pint glass. I don't like doing that. Um, and I have specific reasons for that. Uh, but bar spoons, I like I like the twisty bar spoons and I like, I, I like a nice long handle to, to be able to, you know, accurately stir. Um, so yeah, maybe I should update my my craft computing approved mini bar accessory list or finally just freaking make the video that I've been meaning to make for like five years. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I mean, you got Rhett now just, just on a break, on a lunch break, like, Right. All right, let's just do this. Uh, I, I seriously almost recorded a short today because we were just like, I was finishing up lunch and it's like, you know, I got this really cool thing in front of me. Maybe I should do like a 10 second. This is really freaking cool. Um, and I really should start doing that. Craft computing TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what can you do to make a Hive Zeus more room friendly? Put a sound blanket over it. Uh <laughs> Uh, seriously, you can do some fan swaps. Um, the most popular one is Noctua, but it is by far the most expensive. Um, there are actually some models of Delta fans that you can get that are 40 millimeter drop-in replacements. Uh, and the one thing you need to watch out for in the Hive Zeus is the lower RPM fan you have and the lower CFM that you have, the lower your CPU TDP needs to be. Um, even a 95 TDP... Uh, Xeon, I had some troubles keeping under about 80 degrees Celsius in a fairly climate-controlled room. Um, if you drop a 125-watt Xeon in there, it's no chance. You got to run those 40 mils at full blast. Um, if you're talking about some 65-watt parts, like like a 2650, um, you can get away with slowing the fans down and, and even getting some replacement fans that maybe run at 4,000 RPM instead of 10,000 RPM. Um, there are units out there designed for lower noise, um, but one use servers, it's just part of the gig. They're loud. Uh, they're going to be loud. There's a reason they're a great bang for the buck is you have to put up with something. And in this case, it's noise. Uh, let's see. I'm from Brazil and want to migrate out of country. Any tips? I'm an IT support analyst. I have no tips on 
immigration, visa, yeah. anything like that. Um, IT support analyst, I'm sure there are jobs available. The question is whether you can get someone to sponsor you, and I'm not sure really anyone is doing that these days. Um, like 2019, that was totally a thing. Get sponsorship from a company to come over, get a, a long-term work visa. And and yeah, um, I don't know that many companies are doing that these days because even their own workforces work from home. Um, so unfortunately, no, I, I don't have any relevant advice for you. The, on, the only advice that I personally know of is a couple of people who have immigrated from Europe uh, and and maintain citizenship here. I know a couple Canadians who have come down, and I know a couple U.S. citizens who have gone up to Canada. Um, and most of those were horror stories. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. But best of luck to you. Uh, stream as smooth as butter? Sweet. Two hours in, we finally nailed it. <laughs> Let's see, one last question, and I think we'll give this yeah. a farewell. Uh, yeah. Chris says, I listen to your show every week in podcast form. Just wanted to stop by during the live show, say I love the show, and have a drink for all the podcast homies. Hi, Chris. Cheers, yo. Cheers. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. And I just finished my beer. Perfect. Now you can open another one. That's right. After show. Mm-hmm. Although I had this whiskey staring me down. Ooh, what you got? So I don't know. I got, I got, I have some rum, and you know, well, well, I'll talk about it later. But I bought a whiskey that was fairly expensive, and I am extremely disappointed in it. Yeah, and, and it is the above fifty dollar mark bottle, and I would have rather spent, you what? know, buying five. Name and shame. What's the whiskey? No, no, no. You want to know. Oh, it's, it's oh you got to go show. after party? Okay. Oh, after you're, party. you're giving me some some spoiler alerts. Yes. Ooh. So, so Tantalizing. No. Yeah, you're going to have to join. I want I want everyone to do that. Because so I've actually I'll... got a fairly inexpensive whiskey, like $25, that I'm super impressed with. Oh, no, like, I got... So I, maybe I got it's whiskey my, night uh, my on, on the after show. it will be, but yeah. <laughs> So no, I am highly disappointed in this. I think I paid about fifty-five bucks for it. So highly disappointed. Tastes tastes like burning ethanol. I've had such high and low experiences with whiskey right around that dollar mark. Uh, I, I will ask you this: Is it a domestic name brand? Is it's it? A, it's an Oregon local name brand. Oh. I think I already know the one you're talking about. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so. Uh, something, something, coastal range, something, something. Something, something, yeah. Okay, okay. I already know the one you're talking about. Uh, they make a killer multi-year aged rye that's also been aged in, in the barrels that the stout aged yeah, in, the whiskey yeah, barrels. No, this, this they is, make a great version of that, but they're just raw bourbon. It's 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 it's, it's not great. It's not it's great. Tough. It is tough to get. Through. It needs uh, that extra year, and it needs that stout to help bring it down. Yeah, I I was thinking. Uh, I got the same kit. I've totally forgot. Uh, I got a. I got a. My wife got me custom make your own whiskey. You know, blends. Yeah. I might use that on it because oh, I was really? thinking about using like a cheap end, but I was like, it's so bad. I might. 
That's not a bad idea, actually, to take, like, what should be a really good grain bill whiskey that's maybe just a little bit young. Yeah. And kickstart it. Yeah, because it's got it's got uh, some vanilla bean and some chocolate oak in the kit. So, like, throw both of that in there. Theoretically, that's the stout flavor I'm looking for. Right, right. Okay, we're back. Okay, right. there we are. Okay, we're back. Apparently, OBS is telling me to call it a night. I uh, guess so. That's the second time that's happened uh, where I, I got the full-up Windows notification. OBS disconnected. OBS reconnecting now. Um, no explanation. My internet is fine. Uh, I can do speed tests. I'll do a speed test right now. Hey, look, download is 780 megs per second out of a gig, and I guarantee my upload's going to be whatever my upload should be minus what OBS is doing. So I'm blaming YouTube solely for the streaming problems we've had tonight because, damn it, I got my settings down. <laughs> anyway, uh, John, anything for the good of the order before we call it a night? Uh, no, just uh, my standard stuff going back to normal. Going to be doing some more beer reviews. I uh, got some special, uh, interesting, disgusting beers coming out probably next week. So enjoy that. My beer diet videos finally finished. All done with those. Thank goodness. Editing those is a pain in the butt. Yes. Um, I hate long-term video reviews. I, I've done a couple of those where it's like, even, even videos that I film over the course of a week, I hate I editing just, those. I, I cannot stand going like beyond 10 minutes and, and something like it's like, oh, this is so I understand for like tutorials or something like right. that, but oh, it's so much content just like this. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I was I was actually thinking if I could hire Rhett, <laughs> <laughs> right? Can I just hire you for like a day or a week? <laughs> if he ever gets a spare moment, he's yours. Uh, uh, but uh We've we've been fighting so many battles here <laughs> of, of different things. So, yeah, like if he gets any free if he gets any free time when he's on my time, it's pro bono. Like he can uh, edit your video. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen though. Uh, it'll be all the videos that that you're on. I'll be like, right, edit these for me. Go. Right, right. <laughs> Technically, it's craft computing work. Go. <laughs> It benefits him. It's your job yeah. now. <laughs> Jeff, you want some free beer? I got some really rare stuff. Come on. Yeah. Good. Uh, although I got, I got, I was, I got a couple of, I, because of the diet, all of my regular stuff has gone and I pretty much only have wax dip. Yeah. So I'm just saying, Jeff, uh, I have like 25 anchorages. Uh, like, I could make an appearance. <laughs> like, oh, you twisted my arm. I get it. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah. Ah, $100 of beer in one sitting. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh. Uh, yeah. In one bottle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I could totally do that. Um, no, I have kind of a similar problem uh, where I go through my regular stuff fast enough where I can't keep regular stuff on hand. Um, not because I drink a lot, but because I have an employee who drinks free beer now. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, I know. And well, but things that you what used to, to be keep... one beer a lunch at lunch is suddenly two beers at lunch, and surprisingly enough, it goes twice as fast when you only well, have one of those beers a day. 
you just need to get the, those packs of Rainiers. Right. Yeah, I, I need to start cutting it with some some lower stock, as they say. So anyway, anyways, lots of fun stuff coming up on the channel. I've got a small form factor PC review coming up tomorrow. Um, I've got a pre-built desktop review coming up uh, in the next week or so. Um, I've got the HP Z440 build coming up. We've got some more stuff with SteamOS. We've got some more server stuff coming. Lots and lots of really fun projects. So if you like this video, make sure you hit that thumbs up button and subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already because you will want to stick around. Follow me on Twitter at Craft Computing to keep up with daily shenanigans like this. And if you like the content you see on this channel and want to help support me in what I do, consider joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. Minimum contribution of $1 gets you access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and take part in the awesome community that hangs out over there, and take part in the super secret after party, which starts in just 15 minutes. Right. 